You're in that place where you've forgotten that everything you have comes from Him. You need to repent of that. See, repentance isn't God's mean word, it's God's loving word. See, repentance is when we return. It's when someone strays and they come back. That's repentance. It's the change direction. It's unfortunate people hear that word and they're all like, oh, that's a negative word. No, no, that's a word of love. That's a word of a restoration, a reconciliation, a bringing back together what's been separated by mistakes, by sin. Do you struggle with short-term memory loss? Maybe your kids remind you of the most minute details of some event, and some of those details have escaped your mind. Well, in today's teaching, Pastor Daniel encourages you to not forget what God's done in your life in the past, because it helps you trust that God will do it again in the future. Don't wade through life with a chronic case of memory loss related to God's work in you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 8 as he continues his message, Don't Forget. Your soul needs something greater than just bread. Your soul needs the Word of God. And I know that's why you study the Word. I want to encourage you, feed yourself daily on the Word of God. Read the Word. Man, if you have a smartphone or a semi-smartphone or a hitting puberty phone, whatever you got, it's like, you know what I mean? Text yourself Bible verses and stuff. You know what I mean? And like, it's fun. I love what God's doing in my own home. As my kids are getting older, my wife, Lynn, she writes scriptures on note cards. And I've shared with many of you before that I memorized scripture. This was before there was iPhones and smartphones and stuff. And I write scriptures on index cards. I'd stick them in my pocket. I'd put two on each side. So I'd carry around four verses with me everywhere I went. And I'd be standing in line. I would just pull it out and read it. And that's how I memorized scripture. And so it's beautiful to come home and there's six scriptures on index cards just scribbled on. Not nice, not with doilies. And it's just like the word pen on white paper. And they're everywhere in our house. Like even on our little daughter Annabelle, she can't read on her mirror, you know? And everywhere I go in the house, there's, and it's not decorative, but it is decorative to me because it's everywhere. And it brings me back to as a young believer, just like writing scriptures and sticking them in my pocket. And I mean, the number of times I washed Bible verses in my, you know, you'd pull them out of your pocket. You'd be like, oh, okay, I got to write some new ones. But I memorize scriptures that way. Because we're reminded that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that's why as a church, here on our midweek service, we're teaching through the old, what we call the Old Testament. We started in Genesis. We're going, then on Sundays, we're doing other series. And then you go to any one of our men's ministry or women's ministry, they're always in the word of God. Because God will prosper his word. God ordained his word. It's awesome. Now, not only that, look at what he says. And we're reminded here in verse 4 about God's faithfulness. It says, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your feet, your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Now, here we were reminded that God was faithful, even though it took them 40 years, a journey that shouldn't have taken them that time because of their disobedience. But God was still faithful. Their clothes didn't wear out. 
Their feet didn't get swollen, right? And not only that, they're reminded that God loves them like a father. And as a father chastens or disciplines his child, so our heavenly father does the same. And of course, in the book of Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews picks up on this. Now, right as we get into these verses, it's unfortunate we live in a day and age where many people had fathers who were abusive, who were angry, who were aggressive. And you hear words like, as a father disciplines his child, so God, and it evokes, there's wounds and it evokes a lot of pain. See, God's discipline is based in love. Unfortunately, for so many of us, we we had those experiences with physical fathers who disciplined us in anger because they were frustrated with us. And that is not the paternal heart of God. That's unfortunately fallen humanity. Fathers who can't keep their tempers in check. But God's discipline to us is because he loves us. As I always say, God loves us too much to keep us this way. Along the way, God stops us and says, no, 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 not you, my child. That's not who you are. That's who you used to be. In my family, we don't act that way. And God does that because he loves us. See, God wants us to experience the blessings. But in the same way, as a parent, I see it with my own kids, where I have to teach them who our family is and what we value. And I'll sit down with my kids. I'll say, no, no, no. We don't act that way in this family because Jesus is real. And it's funny. Like, I always tell my kids, if I have to put them in time out or I have to take something away from them, I always say, look, I never want to do that. If it was up to me, you could play Minecraft, you know, because my son Obadiah, you know, he's a kid, plays Minecraft, he can't handle it. And I'm like, buddy, you could be playing Minecraft if you, when you're playing it, when we ask you to put it down, you put it down. We ask you to come down to dinner, you go to dinner. We don't catch you in the middle of the night being all shady in your room, like with the, you know. And what's funny, and like, and I laugh. He's like, well, dad, did you ever do that? I'm like, I totally did. But I'm like, but this isn't what got, midnight's for sleeping, you know. You know, and so I'm like, but I never want to have to take that away from you. But your actions are telling me that I need to. So it's your call. And I want him to realize that, that it's his choice that brings the, the chastening. It's not because I want it. It's his own decision. And for each one of us, when you are in a place where God is lovingly chastening you, it's not because God just feels like it. It's because we're outside of who we're supposed to be and who we are in Christ. And God loves you too much to let you stay out there. You're outside of that circle of safety, so to speak. What I want to encourage you is that if you're in a season of chastening where God is disciplining and doing a work, I want you just to come to to your heavenly father and say, Father, forgive me and teach me what I need to learn so that I may grow because I want to reflect your love into this world. And what I found is that my father in heaven loves me too much to leave me the way that I am. And when I'm outside of the bounds of who he created me to be, he disciplines me because he loves me that much. And I'm so grateful for that. But at the time, God's discipline never feels fun. Just the way God's humbling doesn't feel fun, but he does it for a purposeful reason. But notice this, verse 6, therefore. And what do we always say when we see a therefore in the Bible? We say, what's it there for? That's good. That's good Bible interpretation, 101. 
therefore. What's it there for? It's always a conclusion. So what we find is that because God chastens us, that we might know what's in our hearts, that God may discipline us because he loves us, therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Really what it's saying is that if you don't walk in the ways of God, God's going to discipline you because he loves you if you're his own. But not only that, notice what also God wants to do in verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. See, what he's saying is that the reason God gave you these commandments is so he can bless you, and as he blesses you, you're going to follow him, and I'm bringing you into a great spot. In that generation, it was long before Costco or Safeway or Fred Myers or Chuck's Produce. It was long before eBay, where if you wanted copper coins, you can go on eBay and buy them by the bag. They had to do everything on their own. And so a place where there's going to be water and rolling hills and there's going to be uh, wheat and barley and there's fruit and there's olive oil. So every Italian person's happy, you know, and all these things are signs of abundance and blessing. And so it's like, God, it's like, I want to bring you into this beautiful place. But in order to be in that place, we have to be right where God would have us to be. And so really, what I love this is God is saying, I want you to be in the place where I can bless you. I want, I've prepared a life of blessing for you. Now, we have a tendency when a pastor says a life of blessing, we have a tendency to always materialize that because we're living in a material world and we are material girls, if we're quoting Madonna. (laughs) Not all of us, but you know what I mean. Living in a material, material. Sorry. All you childs of the 80s know exactly where we're at right now. It's just like... Those of you who are younger are like, what? That's 90s. Yeah, so you children of the 90s. Some of you are like, Madonna, who? Anyway, she was like, never mind. It was like, should we even go here? No, maybe we shouldn't. That's right. Move it, turn in the page. But we have a tendency to materialize all these things. But really the idea of the life of blessing is a life in the presence of God. God's ultimate present is his presence. And when we walk in the ways of God, God brings us into a life where you know, like, not that every road that God leads you down is everything you ever wanted it to be, but they're the roads that God is with you on because he's ordained it for you. You think of those disciples on the, in the storm in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, and they're bailing the boat, Jesus is sleeping, and you know what I mean? It, was, it must have been a terrifying situation. These were hardcore fishermen. They knew how to be in a storm, but they woke up Jesus like, Lord, we're perishing. And Jesus stood up and it doesn't say, there's no exclamation points in the word in that way. It doesn't say he yelled at the storm, peace, be still, like, like, like the storm needed to hear his voice. He just said, peace, be still. And the storm stopped and they were all blown away. And they said, who's this guy? Who's this guy? Like that the wind and the waves obey him. Who is he? And in a lot of ways, that's the blessing of walking with the Lord, because in the midst of the storms of our life, God reveals himself to us. And that's the greatest blessing. 
And that's the place of blessing, wherever God is. Like you think of Daniel's three friends, not my, me, Daniel, the prophet Daniel, the real Daniel, the biblical guy. You know, his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in that furnace. That was probably the most comfortable place in the Babylonian Empire because they threw three guys in there, but the Lord was in there with them. And they come out of that furnace without anything singed, not even smelling like smoke. The only thing that's gone is the things that had them bound. Because Jesus was with them. That was the most comfortable place in Babylon. In a furnace turned up seven times harder than it's supposed to be. But that's what happens in the presence of God. And that's what God offers for us in Christ. A life where his presence permeates everything. Now, notice what it says in verse, here in verse, verse 10. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Now, I love verse 11 because it's a reminder of us to give credit where credit is due. And I think simple encouragement before we move on, don't miss a moment to praise God for what he's up to in your life right now. We need to live lives of praise. We need to make sure we take the time to say, God, thank you. We take so much for granted, don't we? I mean, right now, you're hearing the word of God, right? You realize that there are whole people groups in this world who don't even have access to one chapter in God's word in a language they can understand. Us, we're like, well, I got a study Bible, and I got this one, I got a paraphrase, I got this one, I don't like that translation, I like this translation, right? And there are literally people who can't even read John chapter 3 in their own language, both because it's not written in their language because no one's translated, and no one taught them how to read. There's not a pastor to proclaim the word because nobody knows Jesus. The Bible says, how will they hear unless the preacher tells them? And there are full of Christians in the West, and there are no Christian missionaries going to the places that need it the most. Just something as simple as right now, we're, we're in here, and we don't have armed guards at the doors. Many of us have traveled doing missionary work to places where there's no sign on the church, there's no church website, there's an armed guard standing inside the door, and if the authorities come, there could be a shootout. I've been to those places. And you begin to think to yourself, man, we take for granted the ability we can walk into a church, we can raise our hands, we can turn amplifiers on and rock out in Jesus' name. The fact that you're here right now, alive, it's all a gift, and we need to praise God. Even just take a moment right now and just say, Lord, thank you for whatever is on your heart right now. Those praise lists that you can give, those times when you can stop complaining and start giving thanks for what's there, it changes everything. And they're reminded that they're going to praise God for all that he's done. Now, picking up in verse 12, Verses 12 to 17 is a long, one long run-on sentence in the Hebrew. It's like, one, you know, and you got to love that sometimes, because like, if you ever feel like you kind of run on, you know, I remember in school, I always get in trouble for too many run-on sentences. I wish I would have known. I'm like, they're all over the Bible. God likes run-on sentences. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, look at what it says here. It says in verse 11, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments his judgments and his statutes, which I command you today, lest 
When you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which... There were fiery serpents and scorpions in that thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good at the end. Then you shall say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand has gained me this wealth. Now, you see what he's saying here. He's saying that the problem with God's blessings is that we have a tendency to think that we did it. The things that begin in the spirit, we end up seeking in a way to perfect in the flesh. And he's saying, what's going to happen is, is you're going to go into this brand new land and it's going to be beautiful and you're going to build these gorgeous houses and you're going to live in them and you're going to have herds, which is you're going to have cattle, you're going to have the opportunity to make money and you're going to have everything that you ever wanted and you're going to begin to forget all the hardships and all the things that God did and you're going to begin to think, I built this thing. Now, can I be honest with you? We do this so much. We come to Jesus broken, right? Something's going on. We come like, I need Jesus. And then God cleans us up and he helps us. And we take these next steps and the crisis moment is over. And then we forget all that God did. We forget how bad it was. And we begin to think to ourselves, yep, I did this. I'm a self-made person. And we forget the Lord. Brothers and sisters, is that you today? Have you gotten away from remembering who the Lord is and what he's done. See, in a way, that's why God keeps bringing the children of Israel and keeps over and over again having them talk through their history. Because what happens is, is if we forget where we've been and what God has done in our life, we'll begin to forget where God is bringing us and we'll begin to design our own futures. Every single day, we need to get our eyes back on the ball of living the life that God has created us for and not the life that is the natural outgrowth of the things, the way things are going. You have to battle it. Because for so many of us, this happens. We forget our small beginnings. We forget the days of our youth and our mistakes. We forget God's radical faithfulness. And then we begin to drive our own lives in accordance with whatever we're interested in. And what you find is that the children of Israel, they absolutely do this. The Bible is the testimony of the children of Israel forgetting who God is and what he's done and suffering the consequences. And then God, in his covenant faithfulness, the Hebrew word chesed, which means God's loving kindness, God's never giving up, no quit love that he has. He keeps chastening them and then restoring, chastening and restoring. And all of that was written for our admonition today. I mean, it was their story, but it was their story, so it doesn't have to be our story. And I think there's some of us here today, we need to turn back to the Lord because there was a time when we came to Jesus and we asked him to do a work in our lives, and he did a work in our lives, and he was uber faithful at every twist and turn of our life. But now that we've gotten some success and some comfort, we've forgotten our first love. We've forgotten who he is and what he's done. We've gotten complacent. We begin to think to ourselves, 
My strength did this. I got here because I got here. And we begin to take the glory that is rightfully the Lord's. What's interesting is you, in the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, the king of the Babylonian empire, Nebuchadnezzar, ends up in that situation, doesn't he? He's like, I did this by my own strength, and God humbled him for seven years with madness into the wilderness until he confessed that the true and living God, the Lord of hosts, does everything. Remember we were talking about God loving us enough to humble us? In some ways, God wants us to humble ourselves in his presence that he might lift us up. Isn't that a New Testament Bible verse? See, if we don't humble ourselves and choose it of ourselves, God loves us too much to let us be puffed up so he'll impose it on us. So brother, sister, you know where you are and God knows where you are. But if you're in that place where you've forgotten that everything you have comes from him, you need to repent of that. See, repentance isn't God's mean word. It's God's loving word. See, repentance is when we return. It's when someone strays and they come back. That's repentance. It's the change direction. It's unfortunate people hear that word and they're always like, oh, that's a negative word. No, no, that's a word of love. That's a word of a restoration, a reconciliation, a bringing back together what's been separated by mistakes, by sin. And I'm sure there's some of us here right now where this is you. God met you along the way. He helped you. God blessed you. And then once all the blessings started to flow, you forget where the blessings came from. And all God asks us to do is to simply respond to Jesus, to return and to come back. Look at what it says. In verse 18, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day, verse 19. Then it shall be... If you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. God says, listen, you have to remember that everything you have comes from him. Don't ever forget it. He gives you the ability to do it, that he may leverage whatever he entrusts to you for the furtherance of his kingdom. That's why you have it, so that God can leverage it for the furtherance of his kingdom, not us leveraging it for the furtherance of our kingdom, the furtherance of his kingdom. But he reminds me, listen, but if you forget and you go after other gods and you serve them and worship them, then you're going to end up like the very people who I'm driving out of the land to give it to you. You're going to be on the wrong side of my love. Jesus is real. Isn't it great to hear that God's heart for you is to bring about restoration? Pastor Daniel did a great job today expressing God's heart for the nation of Israel. God's heart is the same toward you, too. Sure, you might have gone your own way for a time, but that doesn't mean that God's given up on you. God wants you to be with Him. He wants to bless you and to give you rich and rewarding things. Just come back to Him. Hey, everybody. Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. 
I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Daniel talks through some good and useful things in the book of Deuteronomy. Going forward, you're going to hear how the people of Israel handled the situation when they were tempted to give in to rebelling against God. They'd forgotten what God had done before and they wanted what was right in front of them. Did they fully give in to that temptation? Wait to hear more next time. Well, that is all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.